Good morning, welcome to Watershed on this Reformation Day, Halloween. I don't know, none of you dressed up as Martin Luther this morning, so I guess we're not going that route, but go ahead and stand up and uh, share your favorite candy that you've eaten in the last couple days. Join us as we continue worshiping the song. Thank you. 
have a seat. At this time, we're uh, having preschool through fifth grade. Head over and join Lori over there. Preschool through fifth grade, head over for children's worship. John, can we get these mics? I think, oh, there we go. Good. All right. I get to pray with you guys this morning. Are you excited for Sunday school? Yes. All right. Okay, guys, let's pray together, okay? Dear Jesus, we thank you that you're the wonderful Father that you are and that you love us all so deeply. Lord, we thank you for each one of these kiddos that are here this morning. Lord, we ask that you are with them this morning as they go to their rooms and they have fun together and they learn more and more about you today. And all of God's children said, Amen. Nice. Have fun, guys. You can stay seated at this point. We're going to sing one more song as we prepare for uh, receiving the message.
And will you join us in prayer, please? Almighty God, you are the one who makes the darkness tremble. You are the one who silences our fears. In a world filled with fear, division, and sickness, we cry out to you for your shalom. Lord, bring your peace, bring wholeness to our brokenness. Lord, we pray for the members of our worshiping community here at Watershed and all throughout Hardaway who are currently affected by illness and death. We pray for those facing physical, mental, and spiritual burdens. We pray that you'd bring them healing, comfort, and peace as only the great physician can do. Help us to be your hands and feet, to bring them encouragement and the strength to face each day, trusting in your mercy and goodness. Lord, we also lift up our praise to you and the blessings you have poured out upon us. We rejoice with two watershed families in the gift of new life in the births of Avery and Brielle. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for your faithfulness from generation to generation. And Lord, we also thank you for Pastor Corey being with us this morning. Spirit, as you've worked in his heart, as he prepared the message for this morning, we pray that you'll also work in our hearts to receive that message. Show us your will that we may be your ambassadors of shalom to a world that needs that peace that passes all understanding, a world that needs you. And we pray these things in the name of the Prince of Peace, our Savior. And with that <laughs> crazy sound, we welcome Pastor Corey back. And uh, we're so glad to have you here. And uh, I understand there's been some changes since the last time we, we heard from you. So yeah. we look forward to hearing from, from you about that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always a good sign when you get invited back, right? Uh, the first invitation is one thing. The second says, hey, you did all right. So, uh, so thankful to be here with you today. And I just want to take a moment, too, to say, hey, I think one of the gifts of being a guest preacher is to get to say, what an amazing gift you have to get to listen to Pastor Aaron every week. Uh, it's an honor for me to be here. So glad that Aaron has the chance to get away. Uh, and when he comes back, I hope and pray that every single one of you says we're so glad to have you back. Uh, because it's just... Anybody who's serving a congregation, who's serving a church right now, this is just one of the craziest times to do ministry. And every pastor that I'm talking to, every pastor that I've had the chance to hear their story and what's going on, I can tell you that being in ministry right now is one of the hardest jobs in the world. And so just take a second and uh, say thank you to Aaron, uh, because he pours his heart and his soul and his life into you and into the messages that he delivers to you and for you each week. So I want to take just a moment and, and pray uh, and thank God for the ministry of Aaron. Uh, please join me in prayer. God, I just thank you and praise you for the heart that you have put in Aaron, uh, the heart that you've given him to deliver your word, to speak uh, your message to the, the folks here at Watershed. I pray that you would bless him in his time away. I pray that he would come back just recharged and excited and, and filled with joy in the work that he gets to do as, as the pastor of this congregation. I pray that now as we dive into your word together, I pray that you would help my words be your words, that what I say here today uh, would be representative of you and the heart that you have for us and for this world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, and we all say together, amen. So back in high school, uh, I was a nerd, as if everything about me doesn't tell you that. Uh, and one of the things that I did in high school was this thing called uh, Model United Nations, right? And Model United Nations, the whole idea of is that you try to act like a representative of whatever country you have been assigned. Now, one year, I was uh, 
participating in the model international criminal court. And I was assigned to be the justice representing North Korea. And you know what? I got second place, and it was the least deserved medal ever. Because all I had to do was listen to whatever the American justice said and just say the opposite. Right? It was the easiest thing to embody North Korea. And this was like, you know, 2003-ish, right? Sort of if you think back to what the world was like at that time, there was a lot of tension there. It was, it was easy to step into the shoes of another country and somehow I walked away with a silver medal that I really didn't deserve. The point is, we all sort of know what it is to be representatives of something or someone and to step into the shoes of carrying the name of an organization, a place we work, a place we go to school, right? How many of us drive around with some sort of window sticker that indicates where our kids go to school? I do, right? I know we, uh, if I see somebody wearing maize and blue, I automatically know that they have poor taste. And if you don't walk out right now, then I'm good. <laughs> right, I joke, I joke, <clears throat> go green. Uh, but we all know what it is to sort of represent a person, a place, an organization. And one of the threads that's woven throughout scripture is this idea of representation, of being an ambassador. And so... I want to spend our time to get today sort of tracing some of that story. And it's a much bigger story than we have time for just here this morning. But I want to trace part of that story. And we're going to pick up with it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motive, motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. I wanted to jump in at verse four. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So in verses 1 through 3, Paul talks about when he came to Thessaloniki and he preached the gospel. And he told them the good news of Jesus. And what happened when Paul was in Thessaloniki was that it didn't go well. Right? He was only there for a couple of weeks. And then some folks from another town came and stirred up trouble. And Paul had to run away. He had to leave Thessaloniki under the cover of darkness 
in order to preserve his life. Right? Not exactly a fortuitous start to the church in Thessaloniki. And so when Paul is writing this letter in, to, the, to the church in Thessaloniki, he is talking to people who he doesn't really know very well. Right? Paul didn't have a lot of time to spend with them, getting to know them, doing life with them like he does in some other cities. Most of the people <clears throat> who are gathered with this church, who are hearing this letter, they are people who only know Paul by reputation, not directly or personally. And so Paul starts off sort of reminding them that it wasn't necessarily easy, but he came and he preached the gospel. And then he describes what it was like for him to preach the gospel, how he preached the gospel there. And he says, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Now that word there for approved in Greek is dokimadzo. And dokimadzo is the term that we actually use, uh, the ancient world used it to talk about uh, the marketplace, how you would make sure that a coin met the right standards, right? Because uh, you didn't have a national mint producing coinage. So what would happen is people would try to sort of pass something off as a coin that shouldn't actually be passed off as a coin, right? Or uh, if, if a, a coin was supposed to be 100% or whatever percent silver, they would mix something else in with it to try to, you know, inflate <laughs> how much money they had. And so you had people at the marketplace whose job was to check the coins and make sure that they actually were worth what the owner claimed that they were worth. And this is the image that Paul uses for himself. He says, I've been minted. I've been checked, I've been approved, I have been weighed against the standard, and I've been approved by God. I've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Now, this word entrusted blows my mind, because in Greek, the word for entrusted is pistouthenai. Pistouthenai, which means to believe in. Except this time it's passive, so to be believed in. It's the same word that we usually use to talk about having faith in God. Right? We say we put our trust in, we believe in God, and it's that verb, pistawo. And here Paul uses that same verb to talk about what, how God looks at him. Right? Paul says, God put his faith in me. And stop and think about that a second. That we, mere mortals, right, human beings, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, the God who loves us, who embraces the God who is about fixing everything that's broken in the world, God puts his faith in us. And that should stop us in our tracks. Paul says, God put his faith in me. Such that Paul speaks not as himself, but he speaks as though he's God's representative. 
He speaks as God's voice. He speaks as God's actions in the world. You know, today is also the last Sunday of Pastor Appreciation Month. Not everybody knows that October is supposed to be Pastor Appreciation Month, but one of the things I got to tell you, one of the hardest things about being a pastor is when you stand up to preach, you are aware, I am aware, that the words I say at best are not mine, but they're God's. That somehow, in some way, my hope and my prayer is that what you see up here this morning, what you hear this morning is not Corey. That what you hear next Sunday when Aaron's back is not Aaron, but you hear God speaking to you. And I got to tell you, by the way, one of the best gifts you can give for Pastor Appreciation Month is ask Pastor Aaron, what's it like? What's the challenges you face? And then promise that you're going to pray for him as he walks with those challenges. Because it's tough. But we believe it's Reformation Sunday, as was already mentioned. By the way, if my kids ask, I'm dressed up as a Pokemon trainer. Because I promised I would, you know, go in costume today. So I'm a Pokemon trainer. Sure, this, this works. It's also Reformation Sunday. And one of the things that we celebrate through the Reformation was this affirmation of what we call the priesthood of all believers. That is that pastors, though we recognize that there's something unique and special about the calling to serve in ministry, we are not alone. We are not the only ones who are God's representative. Every single one of us, every single one of you is God's ambassador, is God's representative, speaks with the voice of God. It's not set aside for one small select class of people, but every single one of us is invited to be God's representatives. God's voice. And this is an idea that in the state, one of the statement of faith that comes out of this sort of reformation period is the Heidelberg Catechism. And the very first question asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And many of us may know the answer that it gives that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. At its heart, we say the only thing that we can hold to in the midst of a world that is sometimes torn apart, in the midst of all the craziness that is out there, in the midst of a world that is just seems to be crashing down around us, what is our comfort? What do we hold on to? That, that I'm not mine. I'm God's. I belong to Jesus Christ. And this is rooted in, idea, in an idea that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we have the description of God creating humanity. And, it, and this is what we read. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And the, the Hebrew word there for image is salim. Go ahead and say that, salim. You got to get that tss. Right? It's not a sound we use in English very often, but salim. Salim is the word for image, and it's actually, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's often the word that's used for idols, of all things, for, for statues. Because here's the thing, right? Think back to what the world was like at that time. You didn't have newspapers. 
You didn't have magazines. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have 24-hour news cycles. And so people didn't necessarily know what the king looked like. Because why would they? How would they? So one of the things that would happen is that people would, the, the kings would set up images, Selim. And these Selim were a way of saying, this land belongs to this king. This is the person who rules over this land. Here's his Selim, in the singular, Selim, plural. And God says, you, you are my Selim. We are God's statues, God's representatives, the ones who say this place belongs to the God of the universe. And somehow, we keep forgetting that. God's people keep forgetting that. In fact, in some ways, we could say that the the Old Testament is the story of God's people forgetting again and again and again that they are God's representatives on the earth until eventually they go into exile. And while they're in exile, one of the things that happens is they're trying to figure out what does it mean for us to be God's people in a different place, in this place that has different values, in this place that that doesn't uh, fit with the world that we've always known. How are we supposed to live? And through the prophet Jeremiah, God tells them this in Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. See, God's project What God is about in this world is fixing and restoring everything. Everything that's broken, all the ways that this world is not the way it's supposed to be, that is what God is about. And we are God's images, God's ambassadors of shalom, ambassadors of the way it should be, the representatives of what could be, of what God is doing in this world. And this is a through line throughout Scripture that we are God's representatives tasked with this work of fixing what's broken. This is an identity and a calling, it's a gift and an opportunity. It's an identity that naturally transforms who we are and how we relate to one another. I know that Pastor Aaron has been walking you through what this identity that we have in Christ means. And I'm hoping that this sort of helps us springboard off of that into that bigger picture, that this identity is, it's a gift, but it's also something that calls us into the world. It's an identity every single one of us is invited to be and to see ourselves as God's representative. And one of the things that that means is that means that you matter. You matter to God. You matter to what God is doing in this world. You know, I was at a seminar this week. 
And according to the latest research, four out of 10 adults are struggling with depression, anxiety, or some other mental illness. Four out of 10. According to the latest research, one out of 10 teenagers has contemplated taking their own life. And so friends, I don't know where you are on this journey, but I know, statistically speaking, a good chunk of us in this room need to be told again today, you matter. Four verses after God says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Friends, you matter. Turn to the person next to you and look at them in the eye. Look them straight in the eye and say, you matter. Louder. You're telling somebody they matter before God. Look them in the eye and say, you matter. All right, all right, we're getting there. We're getting there. Turn to the other direction. Turn to the person on the other side of you. And even though they were your second choice, tell them, you matter. (laughs) Maybe you matter too. Friends, every single one of you in this room, you are God's ambassador of shalom, the ambassador of the way things should be, the way things could be, the way that God wants it to be. It's an identity that will naturally transform how we interact with the world. Imagine if you're driving down the road and on the back window of your car is a sticker that says, I represent Jesus. It might make me think twice before I give a little one-finger salute to the truck driver driving in the left lane. I represent Jesus. If I have a shirt on that says I represent Jesus, I hope it's going to change how I talk to and about the person with whom I disagree in the midst of these contentious times. I represent Jesus. It should transform how we present ourselves and carry ourselves when we're interacting with those who have need. I love, I was reading about the Neighbors Plus program here at Heart of Wake. What a beautiful thing to say. This isn't just about seeing our neighbors as projects to be fixed, but as people to be honored and loved. It's an identity and a calling to be ambassadors of shalom in our workplaces and at our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our homes. So Matt mentioned I I have a new identity, a new job. Last time I was here, I was Corey Plockmeyer in transition, which is just a nice way of saying Corey Plockmeyer unemployed. And uh, today I get to say I'm Corey Plockmeyer, executive director of Movement West Michigan, which I'm excited for. Movement West Michigan, if you haven't heard of it, which don't worry, not many people have, and that's okay. Uh, Movement West Michigan, we exist to be the infrastructure that connects the church to the needs in the community. 
and ways that we can sort of help pair churches and nonprofits together to help all in our community flourish and thrive. It's a big goal. But I got to tell you, one of the things that hit me this week was my first official week on the job. So you get me at the end of a first week uh, in that new identity. Early this week, I had the opportunity to be a part of a conversation about a potential affordable housing project, right? Helping people sort of make their way out of need and poverty and establish themselves in housing that would work. And I'm sitting around the table with uh, some folks representing this nonprofit organization that's looking at this. Uh, some city council members, some county government folks, uh, some folks from the business community who might be able to sort of invest in this as well. And I'm listening to this conversation, and you know what? Around the table, and, I, and I'm there to represent the churches, the faith community. And as I'm listening to this conversation, the assumption by almost everybody in the room was we can't count on the church to show up and help. Of all the groups that they thought would be there to help provide the financing, to help provide the support, they say you won't get it from the church. Either because it would turn into a turf war between multiple churches sort of fighting over who got to take claim and ownership of it, or because the churches would just be apathetic and say, well, it doesn't have sort of a direct impact on us and our congregation. That hurt. That was hard. And this was just one conversation, and it's more complicated than that, and I know that. And it wasn't about any one specific congregation. It was just this was the general picture. And I know hundreds, thousands of examples of churches doing good in their community, and it's wonderful. But friends, my hope and my prayer is that we, the followers of Jesus Christ, would have a reputation that five years from now, when I sit in that same room, that we are the first to be known that we're going to show up and help. That they say the church is going to be there and the church is going to make a difference. Because, friends, we are called to be ambassadors of shalom. We are called to be God's representatives in this community. And that is an identity that transforms us to be people who seek the good and flourishing of all in our community. Friends, you and I, we have been tested, examined, checked out, and found to be representatives of God. God is putting his faith in us. You matter. And we have a job to do. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, what a gift it is that you tell us that we are your representatives, we are your voice, we are your ambassadors of the way things could be, the way things should be. God, I pray that we would be your representatives such that when people look at us, when they see us, they see not us as individuals, but they see you. May that identity 
encourage us and uplift us. And may that calling challenge us and push us. In the name of Jesus, our strength, our redeemer, we pray. And we all say together, amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we close our service with praise. Show me 
friends, as we go forth from this place, go forth with God's blessing. Friends, may God go before you to guide you. May God go beside you to befriend you, beneath you to support you, and behind you to protect you. Friends, every single one of you is God's ambassador of the way things ought to be, the way things could be, the way things should be. You matter to the God of the universe. Now let's get to work. Do not be afraid. God is with you. Do not be afraid.